Hare Krishna. Thank you very much. A few brave souls who have come tonight. Generally, uh, in contemporary human society, people are unaware of actually what is the goal of life. Unfortunately, or what they think is the goal of life, what they take to be the goal of life, is actually not the goal at all. As a matter of fact, it's generally diametrically opposite to what is the goal of life. This is explained by Prahlad Maharaj in the seventh canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Nati vidhu swarta. Gatim hi Vishnu. That people do not know what the Swarta Gatim, the ultimate goal of life is, which is to be Krishna conscious. Nati Vidhu Swarta Gatim hi Vishnu. They have no idea uh, that that is the real goal. Durashya ye bahir arti mani maha. What they think is that the pursuit of that which is external, Bahir, is actually the goal. In other words, external things in relation to this body and the senses. So everyone's thinking in this way, pretty much. Um, That doesn't make it right, however. Um, Because under the laws of nature, uh, Vox Populi, is not necessarily equal uh, knowledge, intelligence, realization, and freedom. Because the masses are interested in simply sense gratification. So whatever sense gratification is offered, promised, or even delivered, that they take to be the goal. And everyone is thinking like this. And this is all taking place under the spell of the Lord's illusory energy. Uh, There are basically three energies that the Lord exhibits, the Supreme Person or God. One of them is his internal spiritual potency uh, by which he manifests the entire spiritual existence, the kingdom of God, the Vaikuntha planets, and the topmost of all the spiritual planets, Goloka Vrindavan. And then there is his external material energy, which manifests this cosmic world where we presently live and find ourselves. Um, And sometimes this energy is referred to as maya, or the illusory energy of the Lord. Because although we have taken this material energy to be our home, to be our place of existence, It is temporary. And this poses an existential conundrum because we ourselves are actually not temporary beings, but we're eternal conscious beings. Matter is temporary. It is lifeless. But uh, when it comes in contact with the third of the Lord's energies, which is called the marginal potency, then it takes on life. So that marginal potency 
That is us, the conscious living entities. So those who are learned and realized in uh, terms of Vedic knowledge and spiritual realization, they can understand these things. And I am not a product of this material energy, uh, but rather I am one of the energies of the Lord that belongs to the internal potency. But we are called marginal because we have a tendency to be under the control of the illusory energy. So we can go two different directions. We can take shelter of the illusory temporary energy of the Lord, or we can take shelter of the eternal spiritual potency of the Lord. And actually the choice is ours too. We are not forced to take shelter in this material energy, but rather we choose to do so, unfortunately. And we have made this choice Long, 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 long ago. We have passed through so many lifetimes. Millions, billions, trillions, quadrillions of lifetimes. Um, all taking shelter under the Lord's illusory potency. And throughout all these different lifetimes and various species, not just human beings, there are so many species, according to the, the Vedic understanding. Uh, there are so many millions and millions of species of life. But the topmost uh, evolution of consciousness is expressed only in the human form of life. So now we have the human form of life. This is a great advantage for us uh, because our consciousness is fully manifest, unlike in the other species of life, like the animal species. I mean, how many dogs will come to hear uh, the philosophy of Krishna consciousness? They will only come if you offer them a treat. But they won't hear and they won't understand. Only the human being has this capacity for self-realization to understand who we really are. So therefore, um, we are in an extremely fortunate position, all of us, now in this human form of life. And the Vedic literatures exhort us, Atato Brahmaji Gas. Now that you are in this fortunate position of having the human form of life where you can hear and you can analyze and your intelligence is sufficiently exhibited, um, the time is here to Brahmajigas, inquire into the spiritual values of life. So that is the real benefit of the human form of life. Otherwise, what is the difference between the animal and the human being? They share so many things in common. The animals eat, we eat. The animals sleep, we sleep. The animals mate, and we mate. And the animals defend, and so do we. So, atheistic people foolishly think, even if they're a little spiritually inclined, well, the human being has a soul. 
but the animal has no soul. But anyone can understand, anyone who's ever had a pet, a dog or a cat or a, some other kind of little creature, that this is a conscious living being. Similar to us, it's expressing consciousness, desire. Uh, so how can the animal have no soul and only the human have a soul? This is a foolish philosophy uh, that we see coming <clears throat> primarily from European civilization. And nowadays, people have become very, very much atheistic and godless all over the world, following in the great uh, standard of the advancement of Western society, which is more or less a godless society, despite so many churches and institutions that are supposed to be spiritually oriented, but factually speaking, um, none of them understand. Because they only see what is external. And they think, Bahir that this external energy, this is the key to my existence, this is the key to my happiness, this gives me the facility to progress in life the way I want to progress. But as long as one is foolishly thinking that that which is external is what's really important, then one is blind. It is just like a blind person being led by another blind person. The leaders in human society are blind as to true spiritual understanding. And they're leading everyone else along the path. So what happens when the blind person is led by another blind person? They fall from the path. They slip into the ditch, inevitably. The blind leading the blind. This is a most lamentable situation for human society. Because now the spirit soul has finally arrived in the human form of life and has great opportunity for spiritual advancement. Yet he's being misled by those blind leaders. And therefore they become so entangled by this illusory energy. Just like one is tied up by ropes. Imagine if you're tied up by ropes, very tightly bound. You can't move, you have no freedom, you can't act. That is the position of the bewildered spirit soul under the influence of the illusory energy. And our repeated attempts to try to squeeze some happiness from this body and from the material energy uh, that is referred to also in the seventh canto. Punak punas charvita charvana Punak, punak, again and again, charvananam. One tries to chew that which has already been chewed, to squeeze out some pleasure. The example is given of sugar cane. 
You take a nice piece of sugar cane, break it from the stalk, and you can chew on it. You get the sweetness that's contained therein. It's a very pleasant experience. But once you've chewed that piece of sugarcane stalk sufficiently, there's no more sweetness to be extracted. It's finished. So what do you do? Spit it out. It's no good. And imagine someone else comes along and says, Oh, sugarcane. All right. I love sugarcane. They pick it up and they chew it. That's called punak punas charvita charvananda. Chewing that which has already been chewed. In other words, we have been in so many lifetimes, in so many species of life, and we've tried this process of sense gratification to become happy again and again and again and again and again, and it hasn't worked. And the result is that we are so entangled in this illusory energy that we again take birth in another body. And again, try the same thing. But the result is the same. It still doesn't work. No matter how many times you pick up that piece of chewed sugar cane and try to get something out of it, it's not going to work. Because there's nothing to be had there. It's a fruitless endeavor. So what do we call someone who tries to do that, to chew that which has already been chewed, even though it hasn't worked before, but they try again. Who knows? A fool. A fool. So we've been fooled by this illusory energy. And we've foolishly gone on, lifetime after lifetime after lifetime, and we're eternal souls, so this has been going on a very, very long time. We're eternal. We have no beginning. We have no end. We're eternal souls. That quality we, we share with the Lord. So, the goal of life is to turn from this foolishness and become intelligent and understand, who am I? This was asked of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by Sanatana Goswami. And Sanatana Goswami, he was the uh, prime minister in the government of the Nawab Hussein Shah. Um, and he was a very learned scholar. He spoke many languages, including Persian and Urdu, Sanskrit, Hindi, Bengali. And he was very learned in the scriptures also. And he was a supremely intelligent person. So he was begging Lord Chaitanya to please enlighten him, give him spiritual knowledge. And he said, this, okay, I mean, who, who am I? And why am I suffering from the threefold material miseries? He said, people call me pundit. They accept me as a very learned scholar because of my material qualifications. And I myself am also thinking that I am very learned. Yet, he submitted very humbly to the Lord, I don't know who I am. And 
Why am I suffering? How can I get out of this position? So the first thing that the Lord told him, does everyone know who Lord Chaitanya is? Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu appeared 500, a little over 500 years ago in West Bengal. And he is the incarnation of Krishna for this age. Lord Krishna appeared himself in the previous age, around 3100 BC or so, at the end of the previous Yuga or Vedic season. And in that, at the, right after he disappeared, the Kali Yuga began. That's the current Yuga. And the Kali Yuga is a very difficult time. Kaler uh, It's like an ocean, except it's not an ocean of water. It's an ocean of faults, of hypocrisy, of spiritual laziness, of hubris and stupidity, uh, and evil intentions, and bad governments, and all the things we see around us in the world today. It's, the Kali Yuga is a very difficult time. There is so much strife and war. People are suffering very greatly due to lack of spiritual realization. And that is the quality of this current age. So in this age, the Lord appears as Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Although he is God himself, he appears as if he's a devotee of the Lord. And he does this for a very specific reason, um, for many reasons, one of which is to teach us the process of devotional service. So although he's the Lord himself, he's setting the example of what it means to live the life of a devotee and how to become a devotee. So the first thing he told Sanatana Goswami, Jivara Surupoy, the real position of the Jiva, the living entity, which is what we are all individual Jiva souls. Jivara Surupoy, the real position, the true position, the natural position, the existential condition of the soul is Krishnera Nityadas, that the soul is the eternal servant of Krishna. Now this we've all forgotten long, long, long ago. Who is Krishna? Why should I serve him? What is this servant of Krishna? But that is actually our real existential identity, is that we're the servants of Krishna. But we've forgotten that position of loving devotion and service to the Supreme. And we've taken up what some philosophers have called the God Project. The God Project is where my project is to become God. That's the God Project. So everyone's on that project. Everyone's on that program. I want to become the enjoyer. I want to lord it over all I survey. And in this way, I shall become God. Uh, but sorry to break the bad news to you. Punak punak charvita charvanam You've already tried that, and it didn't work. And it's not going to work. There's no possibility. It is scientifically impossible. 
we have now determined for the living entity to become God. Although people think that if I meditate long enough and hard enough and perform austerities and study Vedic knowledge, then I can become one with God. Indeed, I can step on the head of God and take his position myself. But that position of being the Supreme, it is not available. And you cannot have it. Like one song by The Who, they would say, I want it, I want it, can't have it. So that is our position. We want it, we want it, we want it to be God, but we can't have it. Earned. So then what do we do? Are we, are we tired of suffering? Have we been kicked around by the material energy sufficiently to understand that this is not a good program? This is not intelligent. It's not, it doesn't work. It hasn't worked for anyone. Although one time, I went to one program. We had a program in Central Florida. There was a vegan group, and they invited the devotees to come to their place. They had some place in the country, like commune, and bring prasadam. So we had kirtan, and we had prasadam. And then we were talking with them. And some of them were telling us that never before in human society has there been a movement like the vegan movement. And actually, when one becomes vegan, then one can live forever. I said, I said, you mean you can live forever? This body, you live forever? Oh, yes. I said, well, then you are a great fool. Because everyone knows that the death rate in human society and in all species of life is 100%. There are no exceptions. These bodies are temporary. And not only do we have to die, if we live, live long enough, we have to suffer old age and disease too. And then Krishna tells us in Bhagavad Gita that for one who has taken his birth, death is certain. And for one who has died, it is certain that they will be born again in another body. Round and round and round and round and round we go. That's called samsara, the cycle or the wheel of birth and death. And there's no guarantee about this human form, by the way. You don't always get the human form. In all those 8,400,000 species of life, how many of them are microbes? That is a species of life. Viruses and germs. Not a, not a glorious existence by any standard. And then there's aquatics who are mostly kind of like big their bodies are like big tongues just looking for something to flow through the mouth so they live in the water where everything is taste only and then you could go higher into that you have plant species trees plants and then higher than that you have the birds and then the the mammals getting closer getting closer and then finally you have the human form of life. Although we appear to be mammals, we are distinctly different from all the other mammals. 
because of our capacity for self-realization. So that is the goal of life. The goal of this human form of life is to fully exercise our capacity for self-realization. But we have to be fortunate also. Brahmanda Brahmite Kona Bhogyavan Jiva. Bhogyavan means very lucky. Bhaga means good luck. Bhagyavan, Bhagavan means one who possesses. But among the Brahmite, after wandering up and down so many different universes, there are so many universes, not just this one universe. There are unlimited numbers of universes that expand outward uh, from the energy of the Lord. So after wandering up and down, Brahman the Brahmite, Pulabhagyavan Jeev, when one becomes truly fortunate, Guru Krishna, Prasadi Pai Bhakti Latavij, one receives. This bhakti lata bij, this seed of devotion, the seed of love of God, by Guru Krishna Prasadipai, by the mercy, prasada means mercy, of the spiritual master and by the mercy of Krishna. So by the mercy of Krishna, when one becomes sincere, then he is able to encounter the spiritual master. And then by the mercy of the spiritual master, one gets the Bhakti Lata Beach and is able to learn to love and worship Krishna. It may sound all very esoteric to some ears, especially if you're not familiar with the Vedic language and the philosophical concepts. But Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he is very, very merciful. Mahabharanyaya. Namo Mahabharanyaya. Krishna Prema Pradayati. Because he gives very freely. Radayate Krishna Prema. He gives love of God. Very easily. Very easily. It is not difficult. Just practice this chanting of the holy names. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Hare Rama. Hare Rama. Rama Rama. And the Vedas exhort us. They give the mantra, Hare Krishna mantra. And then they tell us, Idi Sodashakam Nam Nam, Kali Kalmasa Nashanam. This chanting of Hare Krishna, these 16 names of God, are so powerful that Kali Kalmasa Nashanam, all the uh, lamentable features and bad qualities of Kali Yuga, Kali Kalmasa Nashanam, Nashanam, completely destroyed. And after searching through all the Vedas, Sarva Vedishudrishite, one cannot find a method of self-realization more effective and more potent than this chanting of Hare Krishna. So that's sweet. That is sweet. Because here I am, an unqualified, unfortunate resident of Kali Yuga, the abode of unqualification and misfortune. So here I am, a prime resident, a fool, a rascal, a God project wannabe. And the holy names will deliver me from all this craziness and foolishness and nonsense 
and put my feet squarely on the path, going back home, back to God. How sweet is that? Madhudam, 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 Madhudam. Sweet, 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 sweet. So the Krishna consciousness movement is the, that place where this understanding is so easily available and where this beautiful practice of chanting the holy names and taking prasad, food offered to Krishna, which we all love to eat, and living a blissful life and making solid spiritual advancement. No bluffing, no pretension. No bogus rascalism, which is so prevalent everywhere. So it is very easy and it is very sublime. Sarva Baby Shudrishita. You cannot find a method more sublime, even after searching through all the Vedic literatures, which are the supremely enlightened literatures that are existing in this world for our benefit, given by God. So that is the goal, to become Krishna conscious. And the method is to chant Hare Krishna. Isn't that wonderful? It is so wonderful. And if you try it, if you try this practice of chanting Hare Krishna, you will see. You will see. And if you need any help, then the devotees are here to help you make advancement on your spiritual path. And then, of course, we have Srila Prabhupada's books, which are filled with all the details, all the necessary information to take us back home, back to Godhead. And if we take shelter in the association of devotees and hearing and chanting, reading Prabhupada's books, taking prasadam, avoiding the gross sinful activities, that are the standard daily diet of most Americans and everywhere else in the world, then we can very easily and nicely finish out our business in this lifetime and go back home, back to our real home, which is the spiritual world, where there is no birth, there is no death, there's no old age, there's no disease, there's no taxes. There's no corrupt politicians. There's no hypocrisy. There's no quarrel. There's no envy. Everyone lives perfectly situated in their natural spiritual position, combinedly loving and serving the Supreme. Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate your kindly paying attention. Would anyone like to offer me? Realizations, questions, comments, or reflections. Yeah. Um, you said we make solid spiritual advances by chanting. What do we think when we see people who see chanting and don't seem to really have that? Yeah, sometimes it is sad that um, the Krishna con the process of Krishna consciousness, it's a gradual process. 
But that doesn't mean that one should gradually accept the process. No, one should accept the process and then gradually make advancement. Just like if you're wanting to light the fire of Krishna consciousness. So you're trying to light the fire, but meanwhile, you're pouring water on it at the same time. Very difficult to get that fire going when you're pouring water on the fire while you're trying to light it. So pouring water on the fire is doing those things which are uh, unfavorable to the development of Krishna consciousness, especially the four regular principles, which we kindly ask everyone to follow, and that is no meat eating, no intoxication, no illicit sex, and no gambling. So when one follows the principles and gets into the fire of Krishna consciousness, then things move along. But if one is pouring water at the same time, Hard to get the fire going. Or you get the fire going a little bit, you say, oh, that's getting a little hot here. Pour some water on that and put it out. It's the real thing here. It's scaring me now. Because ultimately, as we advance, we realize that we have to give up sense gratification. As our goal of life and it's our primary means of attaining happiness. And chanting Hare Krishna is the key that opens the door. It is simultaneously the method of self-realization and it is simultaneously the goal of self-realization. To chant Hare Krishna with love and serve Krishna with love. It is the means and it is the end at the same time. That's because it's spiritual. Something material, you have the means and then you have the end. But in spiritual life, the means and the end are non-different. It's all part of Krishna's spiritual energy. And in one purport in the fourth canto, Srila Prabhupada writes that the living entity can stay in this material world if he likes. Or he can go back to Godhead. The choice is his. We have that choice. That is the real freedom that we have is to make that choice. To stay here covered by the grunge of the material energy or to become free and go back home, back to Godhead. The choice is ours. We always have that choice. That is our freedom. God does not force us. He doesn't force us to take stay in the material world and take birth after birth. We choose that. And he doesn't force us to want to become free and go back home, back to God. He makes that available. We choose. It is your choice. Free will. Anyone else? Thank you for the nice question. Anyone else like to add anything? Subtract anything? What you just said kind of resonated with something I was just thinking about. Where, uh, like, if, let's say somebody lives a life where they make spiritual progress, they're kind of on an incline. Is it a strange desire to kind of want to take the ride again? Well, if you mean to fall back down into the material pool, 
and become covered over by material energy. It happens. No surprise there. Conditioned souls. That's their. That's our habit. That's what we're used to for billions of lifetimes. So if somebody comes and they fall away. We shouldn't be surprised. But if somebody comes and stays and becomes very serious, ah, we should be delighted for that person. As a devotee, to be a devotee of Krishna is not a selfish thing, not just my liberation. No, we want to please Krishna by uh, spreading his message to everyone and give everyone a chance. It's like we have this secret treasure, but we don't want to hoard it like a hoarder, you know, a miser. What is it, <coughs> Mr. Scrooge? No. We want to give it to everyone. And the more you give, the more you get. That is the secret in spiritual life. The more you give Krishna, the more you get Krishna. So that is the process of the Hare Krishna movement. We want to give Krishna. Give, 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 give. Everyone please take Krishna. And we know the more that we give Krishna, the more Krishna is pleased with us also. Prabhupada said the goal in this Krishna conscious movement, we want to get a piece of paper from Krishna that says, this man has rendered me some service. And then we are set. All right, so we'll stop here. Thank you all very much. Shri Prabhupada.